Well, please do open up your Bibles at Acts 4. Have them open in front of you if you can. And let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning through this part of the Bible. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being here this morning and for the privilege of having your word written down for us in English that we can read. But Lord, we pray this morning that as we look at your written word that we would hear your spoken word by your spirit. We ask this morning, Lord, that you would speak to us and say to us a word in season, something we may need to hear today. Encourage us in our faith, challenge us if needed, but speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. During the announcements just there, I said that we're going to get together on Wednesday night to pray in the prayer room together. Now, I wonder, as you heard that announcement, I wonder what went through your mind. What did you think whenever you heard me say that? My guess is that some of you maybe listened to that and thought, you know what, Marty, that sounds like a complete and utter waste of time. Why would we do that? We are so busy. We've so much to do. And the thought of getting together for an hour on a Wednesday night and sitting in a room and praying, it just sounds like a bit of a waste of time to me. Not for me, thanks, Marty. Maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe when you heard me say that, you thought, do you know what, Marty? That sounds great. But someone like me couldn't possibly go to a prayer meeting. I, I don't know how to pray. I don't feel that I could say the right thing. Maybe for you, you, you just don't have the confidence. You might like to be there, but the thought of going to a prayer meeting, you know, that's, that's not really for you. That's for those kind of prayer warriors, the super holy, the, the ultra-religious of the, the congregation. That's not for little old you. Maybe that's you this morning as you, as you heard that announcement given out. Maybe for you, it's not that you think it's a waste of time that you're too busy. Maybe it's not that, that you don't know what to say or you feel confidence. Maybe you're just not sure that God answers prayer. Maybe you sit here this morning and you just think to yourself, I'm not really sure that I believe that praying makes a difference. I get that you're getting together on Wednesday night. I get that you're going to pray. I get that you're going to pray for the church and the, and the things we're doing. I get that you're going to pray for the situations in the local community, but I'm just not convinced that God really does answer prayer. And so there's no point in me going along to that. Well, listen, I want to be right up front right up front with this sermon, right from the start so that you don't feel blindsided. My hope is that, that as I preach this sermon based on Acts chapter 4, my hope is that you will be encouraged to gather with other Christians to pray. Maybe on a Wednesday night at the prayer meeting, that would be brilliant. Maybe in your discipleship group, maybe privately to meet with some other Christians to pray at a time that works for you. My hope this morning is that through this part of the Bible that you are encouraged, yes, you, little old you, little old you who doesn't feel confident in the praying, I hope that you're encouraged this morning to get together with other Christians to pray. And, and again, I'm going to be really upfront here. I'd love to see you on Wednesday night. I'd love us to have to move to the minor hall because it's too small in the prayer room. But I'm just putting that right out there. That's my hope for this sermon. But it's just not my hope. You see, what the thing is that you might not recognize is that praying together is something that Christians have always done. It's not a new thing. It's not a fad. But Christians have always prayed together. 
And in the book of Acts, as we journey through the book of Acts, you're going to see this. Praying together was just something that they did. It was normal. It was natural. It was necessary. There's a wonderful little book called Praying Together by a lady called Megan Hill. And she summarizes prayer in the book of Acts by saying this. For the early church, there was much to do. So she gets across. They were busy people. They were busy like us. There was much to do. But essential to their gospel proclaiming, bread breaking, widow feeding, and church planting work was praying together. The early church, they'd had lots of programs. They had lots going on. They were very, very busy. There was lots to do. But she says that essential to what they were doing was praying together. She goes on and she says, These early Christians, diverse, united, and devoted, prayed together when they arrived and when they departed. They prayed together when they were sick and imprisoned, but also when they were simply sitting down for a meal. They prayed in the formal worship services of the temple, like now, and at the riverside prayer meetings. The apostles prayed together. Men and women and children prayed together. They prayed for the Spirit, for protection, for boldness in the proclamation of the gospel. They prayed for one another. Wherever the gospel went, wherever churches were established, God's people were praying people. Throughout the history of the church, God's people have always come together in prayer. In fact, if you think about the birth of the church, it was birthed in a prayer meeting. Do you remember when John preached from Acts chapter 2 a number of weeks ago in the day of Pentecost? That's when the church was born. And what were they doing? They were praying together. The church wasn't born in a service like this or, or through preaching. The church was born in a prayer gathering. When God's people gathered to pray, the church was born. And it's no secret that over the past number of decades, churches have stopped praying together. Prayer gatherings have died out. There are many churches in this community where there is no prayer gathering at all. And maybe it's no coincidence that where prayer gatherings are dead, so churches are dead. Maybe it's no coincidence that where prayer gatherings are dying, churches are dying. This morning, I want to encourage you to be part of a community of people in this church who pray together. Not because I'd like it, although I would, but because it's what God desires for us. He desires us to be a praying people. Well, in Acts chapter 4, what we're going to be this morning is we're going to be flies on the wall. Uh, There's some places I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Sometimes I'd love to be a fly on the wall in Buckingham Palace to see how the Queen operates. There, there are lots of places I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Well, this morning we're all going to be flies on the wall at a prayer gathering in Acts chapter 4. And we read about it earlier. And, and what we see this morning is we're going to see that the, the, they came together and they prayed. And we're going to look at that prayer meeting. But, but let me try to remind you why they're getting together to pray this morning. If you were here last week, we, we thought a bit about cancel culture. And the reason we thought about cancel culture was because last week we saw that Peter and John, they were out telling people about Jesus and the authorities said, be quiet. The authorities told them to zip it. The authorities told them that they weren't allowed to speak about Jesus anymore. And they sent them off on their way threatening to do terrible things if they did that ever again. 
But this morning, what we're going to see is the response to that. What did Peter and John do when they were faced with this difficult situation? What did Peter and John do when they were told to be quiet? Well, we see it in verse 23. Have a look at the text with me. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They go back to their own people. They go back to the community of Christians that they belong to and they tell them what's happened. Guys, listen up. We have had a disastrous 24 hours. We were in Solomon's colonnade. We were telling people about Jesus. The religious authorities came. They arrested us. They put us in the cells for a night. They interrogated us and they sent us away and they've told us that we are never allowed to speak about Jesus again. We've had a terrible 24 hours. And now we're under threat. They come back to God's people and they report this. They tell God's people what has happened. There's a report made. Maybe as you think about coming together to pray in a church prayer gathering, one of the things that frightens you is thinking, I don't know what to pray for. I mean, Morty, if I came along to, to a church prayer time, what, what would I pray for? I, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to pray for. Well, listen, I want to tell you something. I've got really good news. If you've never been before, we give you a list of things you can pray for. You see, this church, it's active and God is doing things. And as God does things, problems arise and situations arise that we need to pray to him about because we don't know what to do. Like Peter and John, in the prayer gatherings on Wednesday nights, whether it's in person or in Zoom, there is a list of things to pray for, and they are live issues. They are real things that we really need God to help us with. So when you come to your prayer gathering, when you get together to pray, there will be a report of things happening, a report of things that we really need to pray for. And can I just say this morning, if you ever need prayer as an individual, which at times you will. If you're ever going through something and, and it's so difficult and you really need the prayers of God's people, let me know and we will pray for you on a Wednesday night. If you want the prayer request texted out to the church family as we've had done over the weekend with a brilliant answer to prayer, which I'll text you about later. If that's you and you want prayer, send it to me and we'll send it out so that people can pray for you. Or maybe you don't want people knowing what's going on in your life, but you'd appreciate prayer. Speak to me and I'll pray for you over the phone and I'll keep you in my prayers. Or the staff team can pray for you on a Wednesday when we meet. This morning, if you need prayer, if you need God's help, if you want someone to pray with you and for you, reach out and let me know. Because one of the privileges of God's people is to pray for one another. So anyway, you have back to your text. They go back and they report everything that has been happened to them and they tell their, their church family what's gone on and what the problem is. And they request prayer. They, they want to know, they want the church family to pray for them. And so then we see what happens next. Have a look at verse 24 with me. It says this, when they heard this, that's the, the church family who are there or the, the small group of the church family. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Do you see what they do? They, they listen. They, they hear what Peter and John have said. They, they really listen to what they've said. And then they raise their voices together in prayer to God. 
Now, I know for some of you, there, there's a little phrase in that. And that little phrase is maybe why you're afraid to come to a prayer gathering. And the phrase, I think, is raised their voices. You see, when they prayed together, these people, they spoke out loud. They, they raised their voices together. They prayed out loud. And I imagine it went like this. I imagine someone prayed out loud and everyone listened and said, Amen. And then someone else prayed out loud on behalf of the people and everyone listened and said, Amen. We agree with that prayer. But they prayed out loud. They raised their voices. And maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you actually like the thought of getting together with God's people to pray, but you are so afraid to pray out loud. Can I just say, that's perfectly fine. That is perfectly fine. No one's going to force you to pray out loud. Do you know what? As you sit in a prayer meeting and you're silent, what you're doing as you pray, as someone else prays out loud, you can listen to their prayer and make it your own. You can join with the prayers of someone else. You don't need to say stuff out loud yourself. Likewise, you can sit in a prayer meeting and you can pray silently. And the amazing thing is that God still hears you. The other people in the prayer meeting, they might not get the encouragement from your prayer, but God hears you. So you can come and you can pray silently and God will listen and you can be part of things. But can I say, one of the greatest encouragements for me at a prayer meeting, at a prayer gathering, is when people do pray out loud. Because I learn how to pray from other people. I hear some people pray and, and I learn how to pray as I listen to them. I hear some people pray and they pray for something that I could never have had the imagination or the thought to pray for. And I get to join in that prayer and say, Amen. There is a blessing from praying out loud. So come along. If you feel confident to pray out loud, pray out loud. If you don't, pray silently and we will all be encouraged together. And if you do pray out loud, don't pray for everything. Give some other people a chance. <laughs> and don't pray really, really long prayers because we do want to stay awake. But do come and do pray and do be encouraged. Anyway, let's move on in our passage. Let's continue to be the fly on the wall in this prayer gathering because what we see next is we see what they prayed for and we see how they prayed. And the first thing we see when they prayed is we see that they acknowledged God's sovereignty and God's power. Uh, look at the verse with me. Um, I think it's verse 24, maybe 25. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Sovereign Lord, they begin. Do you see what they're recognizing there? They're recognizing that God is the king and the ruler of the universe. Oh God, as we come to pray today, we recognize that you're in control, that you're ruling, that you're reigning. And folks, this is a brilliant reason. This is a wonderful reason why we should pray. Because God is in control. He's in control. He's sovereign. We're not praying to the ceiling when we pray. We're not praying to someone who, who might be able to do something in light of their prayers. No, we're praying to the sovereign God of all, the one who is in control. And they recognize that when they pray. Sovereign God. And then they recognize God's power. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Oh God, you're so powerful. You're the one who made all things. That sea which looks so tempestuous, that sea which is so powerful in and of itself, you made that with a word. We pray together because God is in control. 
and we pray together because he is powerful to answer prayers. Then the next thing we see is that they, they pray in light of what the Bible says. They, they think of Peter and John's situation. Okay, it's terrible. They've been told to be quiet. They've been told they're not allowed to talk about Jesus anymore. But then they look at what Scripture says and, and they remind themselves of what the Scripture says. And what Scripture pretty much says about this situation is that they shouldn't be surprised. They shouldn't be surprised by this. Because in the Psalms, it's told, look at that, you spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your father David, saying, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand against, and the rulers gather against the Lord and against his anointed, his anointed one. They say, listen, God, we're not surprised by this because the Psalms have told us that people will be against you. And then they think of Jesus' life, and again, they recognize that they're not surprised by it because they oppose Jesus. Look at verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So do you see what they do? They pray. Oh, sovereign God, we know this is terrible about Peter and John, but it's not surprising your word tells us that people will oppose you. Your word tells us that people will oppose Jesus. We are not surprised by this, God, because of what we know from the Scriptures. And because you're sovereign, God, we recognize that even this situation, this situation is even in your hands. We recognize that, God. Do you see what they do? They, they pray in light of the Scriptures. The, the Bible guides them in what they should pray. And again, folks, if you join us on a Wednesday night, there are scriptures that accompany our prayers. Scriptures that you can look at and read that will guide your thinking as you come to pray for certain things. And then we see the final thing they pray for. And ultimately, this is always what we're praying for when we gather on a Wednesday night. We're praying for God's will to be done. This is what they actually ask for. They ask for God's will to be done. Have a look at verse 29. They say, Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You see, these apostles, they'd been told what the will of God was. The will of God was that people would hear about Jesus. That's what God wanted. Go and be witnesses of Jesus. That was the command. They knew the will of God. And here in the face of persecution, that's what they pray. Your will be done. It's been nice, hasn't it? It's been helpful to be a fly on the wall at this prayer gathering. But what I want to, you to see this morning is not just what they prayed, but what happened after they prayed. Because after they prayed, there were two things that happened. The first one is found at the beginning of verse 31. It says there, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It was like there was a mini earthquake in the room. Now, I cannot tell you that happens on Wednesday nights. That would be very exciting if it did. I cannot promise that will happen. But in the Bible, what we see throughout the Bible is that an earthquake, a moving of the ground, this shaking, it, it is a, it's a visible sign of God's presence. 
Whenever they prayed, it was as if God was saying, listen, I've heard you. He shakes them. I've heard you. I'm present. I've heard what you've said. I've heard what you've asked for. There was this shaking of the room to encourage them with God's presence. And what I want to do, say to you, is that we see if you come out to pray together. You see if you come out on a Wednesday night or at another time to pray. You will leave with the assurance that God was with us. It's a promise that where two or three are gathered in his name, Jesus is there. But I want to say that, that whenever we pray together, there is a sense at the end of the prayer gathering that God has been amongst us. I can't explain it. I can't really describe it. But I mean, the last time we prayed last month, we all left saying this was so good to be here. The reason being that we sensed that God was there. So after they pray here in Acts, there's that sense of God's presence. But then the most wonderful thing is they receive an answer to their prayer. Look at the end of the passage. Look at the end of verse 31. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed for boldness and God gave them boldness. If you read on into Acts chapter 5, there's this really funny moment because uh, they've actually just gone out again in Acts chapter 5 and they're telling people about Jesus and the religious leaders kind of see them and they're like, what are they doing out here? We, we locked them up. We told them to be quiet. It's almost this comedy kind of double take. There they are and they're at it again. We can't seem to shut these guys up. This comedy moment. They ask for boldness. And God answers and he gives them boldness. And friends, that's the reason why we pray, because God answers prayer. We have seen it in the life of our church family. We've seen it as we as a church have tried to seek his will and, and live according to it. We've seen answers to prayer. And that's why we need to keep on praying. Things here at Ravenhill, they're going well, aren't they? going pretty well. I think we're all encouraged. But you know it will be a disaster? It will be a disaster if we don't recognize that it's only going well because God is doing a work. It's only going well because God's leading us. It's only going well because God's guiding us. It's only going well because God is blessing us as we do what he's calling us to do. That's the only reason it's going well. The only reason it's going well. And so I want to encourage us as a church family, let's not stop praying. Let's not stop depending on him. Let's not stop seeking his will because I think the moment we stop doing that will be the moment things do not go so well. Let's keep praying together. I'd love to encourage you to come along. I'd love to encourage you to be there. And when you come, can I encourage you to come uh, with, with faith I heard this wonderful story. It was a, you know, it's a, it's a urban legend. I don't know if it's true, but it's a, about a, a village in Africa. And at this village, there had been no rain for months, and the, the ground was drying up. It was drying up, and there was a, a severe threat of drought and famine. It was terrible. And the local minister, he he called the people of the village to come together to pray. And they did. They they came together to pray. But only one boy brought an umbrella. <laughs> Do you see what that boy came with? 
He came with faith, expecting God to answer. And friends, as you come to pray together on a Wednesday night or via Zoom or on a Sunday night before the service, I want to encourage you to to come with your umbrella. (laughs) Bring your brawly. Bring faith. Bring trust. Because our God is one who really does answer prayer. The 10th of May, 1940. The war is raging. And Adolf Hitler decides he is going to conduct a military onslaught in Belgium and in France. And he pushes the British troops. He pushes them out of the country until the point where they are on a beach in Dunkirk. The sea is at their backs. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing they can do. A third of a million men were there. Over 300,000. And there was nowhere for them to go. Even in Britain they had resigned themselves that Hitler was going to wipe out a huge proportion of the army. And there was desperation and there was despair and there was sadness. On the 23rd of May, King George VI did something that required faith. He called for a national day of prayer. It was a Sunday morning and churches were packed. People who didn't go to church, people who didn't normally pray, they gathered, they got in. There were streams of people outside local congregations. Because at this point, in this point of the war, there was no solution. The the end was inevitable. The only conclusion that there was going to be was this mass slaughter of British soldiers. And so King George, the most powerful person in the world, he asked the people to appeal to someone with more power than him, the sovereign God over all. And the people of Great Britain, they came out and they prayed and they wept. And they leaned on God like they've never leaned upon him before. That same day, they put out a message asking anyone with a vessel who'd be willing to go to Dunkirk to to try to get the people back. If they'd be willing to go, they put out this request. And the next day, they set off for Dunkirk. 800 boats. 300,000 men and Hitler pursuing them. But you know what? Hitler wasn't actually pursuing them. Because in the days after the prayer meeting, in the days after this national day of prayer, Hitler for some reason asked his troops to stop advancing. I don't know why, but he asked them to take a break. And then the weather changed when they came to advance and they couldn't really advance because of the weather. And then for some reason on that day, whenever the ships were going across the channel, for some reason on that day, there was absolute calm across the channel. And the rest, the rest is history. That is a true war story. And do you know what it is called? It is called the miracle of Dunkirk. Even Winston Churchill himself, who would have been a little bit skeptical, called it the miracle of Dunkirk. And on the the 10th of June, 
1940, there was another call to prayer, a call of prayer of thanksgiving and praise for the God who saved them. And William Churchill, or Winston Churchill, he, he, he wholeheartedly supported this day of prayer. We gather to pray, not for the good of our health, not because it's overly exciting or exhilarating. We gather to pray because we have a God who is sovereign and answers prayer, and a God who we, as his church, desperately need. Let's pray together just now. God, we thank you so much for the wonderful gift of prayer. And we thank you that you're the God who hears our prayers and answers according to your will. Father, I pray that in the days and weeks and months and years and decades ahead, that we would always be a praying church, a church who looks to you for guidance, a church who looks to you for wisdom, a church who doesn't rely on fancy programs or ministers or people, but a church that is 100% reliant on you. Father, lead us and guide us and answer our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.